LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are talking about something fresh off the press. So actually, it's hot off the press. I like fresh out the oven, though. You know what I'm saying? When, when I think of fresh, I'm thinking of food that's coming out of the oven. It smells good. Well, I wouldn't be fresh, though. That'd be cooked. It's cooked. Yeah, but it's it's fresh bread, like that's fresh true. bread. That's true. That's I true. mean, is there anything better than fresh bread? When was the last time you made fresh bread? Never. Okay. I've never made bread. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> I have had fresh bread made, and I've eaten it, but not yeah. not recently. So recently in my house, we have fresh corn dogs coming out of the microwave. Oh, those are good. <laughs> Those, those are good. That is the life of a father of small children. But that has nothing to do with the hot off the press mm. Barna research. Barna research, yeah. This is some incredible insight into how churches. It's not really fresh, but it is a year or two enough. old, yeah. but it is yes, yes. fresh. To, it's going it, to be fresh to the hearers. In the life of the church. Yeah, In definitely. the history of the church, it's very, very new. Very fresh, yeah. Um, and either way, the, the idea behind it is how are churches making disciples? Are they effective? Are they not? Um, and as usual, when you do research, they've asked leaders. They've asked people who attend churches. Mm-hmm. They've asked all the critical questions. And so we want to hone in on some of those today. And one key question, one important question is what is the major obstacle mm. to discipleship in the church? Yeah. And so when church leaders were asked, let's go ahead and set up what what was the response okay. of what do church you think? leaders? Okay, so let's ask let's ask those. Listen, what do you think based on what the leaders are saying? Right. Is the major Pastors, obstacle. Yeah. ministers, lay leaders in, in any kind leaders, of church. Right. Yeah, exactly. They, their response to what is the major obstacle of discipleship. Okay. So leaders would say lack of commitment. Lack of commitment of the people. From people. Yeah. They're saying, I can't get people to commit. I want them to be disciple, but no one's saying yes. Yeah. Man, you're listening and saying, I got the same problem. But what's interesting is when they ask the people, the, the Christians the exact same in the answer. pew. No, it's not the same answer. It's similar. It's similar, but it's not the same. So people didn't say, I'm not committed. No, they would probably never say that. But in a sense, their answer, it kind of dovetails together. What what they said was, by the people's admission, they're simply too busy. Yeah. We we don't have time, right? So So uh, the people are saying we're too busy. The leaders are saying, I can't get a commitment from the people. So that is yeah. a connecting. It'd be similar. I mean, the issue is similar in the way they respond. Guess what the number two response is from people as to why they're not growing in their faith. Why is that? Take a guess. Uh, the It's the leader's fault. Well, no. <laughs> that, well, that may be on there. That might, no. that, might, that was kind of a negative response. That was a negative. That's no. not how I really Number felt. two is, here's what they said. Spiritual growth requires a lot of work. Well, there you go. <laughs> at least they know the reality. At least they're honest. Yeah, at, least yeah. they're, at least they're honest about it. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the reality is we're dealing with these two barriers. These are real barriers. These are these are not perceived barriers. These are real barriers actual, yeah, there's in actual people's lives. Yeah, there's time problem. So the question is, Chris, I think we need to ask and answer. What can we do as leaders to help move people along in their spiritual journey? See, right. I, I was thinking about this the other day. The goal of a church, 
The yes. goal of a church, the reason Jesus birthed the church, which is right. a body, not a building, people, not a place, is to produce disciples. That's right. That's the goal. That is the Great Commission. Yeah, if well, I or, or the great, yeah. So the goal, <laughs> we're getting we're getting basic one on one. I here. mean, if we want to go back to discipleship one on one, yeah, red letters, right? <laughs> You're gonna argue with red letter, right? Right. right. <laughs> so the goal of a church is to produce disciples. Okay, that's the goal of a church. Right. And if we're not making disciples, I don't think we're functioning as a church right. in the sense of what Jesus expected this movement to do. Yeah. He didn't say make converts. He didn't say make decisions. See, what we have to do is move our people from a decisionistic mentality. Right. Because I think that mindset of what the gospel is, like I need to make a decision, I need to say a prayer. If I say, "Uh uh-huh, at the right right place, at the right time, somebody will pat me on the back. And then my Christian life at that point is pretty much over. Well, And if you say, listen, so if the expectation on the front end is to just have a decisionistic, you know, mm-hmm. once now or never decision to follow right. Christ, then it breeds this idea of, man, I don't want to do anymore. I don't have time for that. Right. I don't have the energy for that. I don't want to exert the effort in that. Well, and could it be one of the challenges with all of this is we win people with convenience. Man, just come in on a Sunday. Yeah. We got one hour service. You could drop your kids off. We'll meet you at the door. We'll take your kids, grab some coffee, go sit down, enjoy an hour of worship. Then you need to go home. We'll see you next week. Yeah. It's so easy mm. to live this Christian life. So we win them with convenience. And then we say, why won't they commit? Yeah. Oh, man. You, you're, going to, you're going to death. Yeah. You're meddling right now. But I'm here's the reality. Out there. Well, what we try to do. It out there. No, that's true. What we do is we think, what is the irreducible minimums? That's right. Uh, of entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Let's make it yeah. as simple as possible for people to make a decision. And I'm not saying we make it hard for people to make a decision for right. Christ. I'm not saying that. But that's not what Jesus said. Exactly. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, no one builds a building without first sitting down and counting the cost. You have, you actually should think about it. You've got to come on from Brother Tim. You actually should think wow. about it. You should wow. think about it before you, yeah. before you make that not decision. Not only think about it, <laughs> contemplate a ponder it. Yes. Uh, think it's about the ramifications. It's a call to live the life of Christ, but it's a call to die to yourself. Let me give you another one. Yes. No one goes into battle without first sitting down and assessing the troops, right? I mean, Not if so, they want to win. Exactly. <laughs> so what, what I think part of the problem is that has bred this mindset of laziness, slothfulness, uh, irreducible. What's the minimum things I can do to still get my... You know, my, my name called up yonder when the roll's called, right? I mean, like, <laughs> what's right. the irreducible minimum? That's right. And so what happens is we have made it, as Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace. Oh. Right? Yes. Like, just cheap grace. Like, hey, man, say a prayer and get, you're good with God. And whether you serve him or, or follow him or obedient to him, all those things are optional. That's not the kind of Christianity no. and discipleship Jesus taught. Well, and what I think, you know, can you imagine Christ giving the Great Commission to the eleven? And them saying, but man, the people just, they're just not going to be committed to this. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's an interesting concept, Jesus, but yeah. I can't get them to show up for church. You know, it's but like, I think what happens in, in, in reality, in the life of pastors and leaders, I think what happens is you have a pastor who says, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Robbie. I hear what you're saying, Chris. I see what the research says, but here's the reality. I've tried this. I went to my people and I said, let's let's get deeper in the word. Let's be more accountable. Let's memorize scripture. And they didn't do it. Okay, here's what first, do I do? Here's what the first I, question I would ask. Yeah. Uh, 
Brother pastor, uh, sister leader, <laughs> are you... Are you? Did you say demon deacon? No, no, no. We're not talking about about deacon. deacon. We got great deacons. We got some great deacons. Great leader, great lady, and some others. But the reality is, I would ask this question: What are you emulating for them to model, or what are you emulating as a model for them to follow? When they look at your life, are they seeing a commitment to these things as well? Yeah, because sadly, and this is sad, pastors who will champion discipleship from the pulpit. Right. Are not engaging in discipleship personally and privately. Right. So they're not they're not ministering, I mean mentoring a group of guys. They're not investing in a group of ladies if if you're a woman. And so what's happened is people see that disconnect. Right. You know, we always say this, you can't expect from others something you're not emulating yourself. Mm-hmm. Now you can you could beat them over the head and say right. you need to do this, but you know, it's like it's like your kids. I mean, my yeah. kids all the time. If I'm trying to say, "Hey, we're not going to uh, you know, we're not going to treat people a certain way. And yet I'm behind the scenes treating their mom a certain way and right. negative and overbearing and domineering. They're going to say, wait a minute, you want me to treat my friend at school this way? And yet you're critical of mom and you're negative. <laughs> that's right. You know, that's what they found out, Chris. They found out that they studied pastor's kids leaving the ministry and leaving, turning from God. And, yeah. and they found out that, and I don't know if the statistic's right, but the last one I heard is 70% of pastor's kids will turn away from the faith. Wow. Now, that's an old statistic, and I don't even, yeah. I don't know where I heard that statistic. It may be wrong. real at some point. Let's say, let's say 25% <laughs> turn yeah. away from, one in four. That's still right. one in four more than we yeah. want, right? But let's just say that they're turning away. Well, they probed a little deeper, and they asked the question, what was causing pastor's kids to leave and turn away from God in the church? Here's what they found out. They said there was a disconnect between my father on Sunday Mm. and how he acted Monday through Saturday. Wow. Now think about that. On Sunday, he's kind and compassionate and long-suffering and patient and listening to people, mm-hmm. stays late. The Perhaps moment he- gives more of his time to the people than he does to his family. That's right. He had this love affair with the people and he had, and he it would disconnect it from his kids. And so what happened is he'd get home, he was overbearing, domineering, quick-tempered, uh, angry all the time, ornery with the kids. And they said, if that's what Jesus is like and if that's what the church is like, you can have it. Well, I think I think we know what the secret is to helping people get over what they, they see as a time issue and what leaders see as a commitment issue. I think we've got the solution. But we're going to have to wait until after this break to hear what it is. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. If you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. And we're back. We have this great insight, uh, a fellow theologian. Uh, it's not Dr. Dylan Young, but Mr. Dylan Young. Yes. Uh, Minister Dylan Young. Minister Dillon Young. We could say Pastor Dillon Young. No, he's but some not people have a problem yet. with that. He's not ordained yet. He's not ordained yet. No. 
But he does do some pastoral ministry. I feel like he should be ordained. Well, that's a, that's another podcast no, for another geez. day. But, but one of the pieces of insight <laughs> that he has had that uh, I think is critical and I think it's right. Dylan Young is, is, our, is my pastoral assistant. That's right. For those Dylan Young, pastoral assistant. He's also fact checker extraordinaire. That's right. what he's more famous for. That's what for, he's famous for, yeah. Uh, he's looking up things to make sure we're saying words right, that statistics are correct as possible. Yeah. Uh, and he mentioned this is a great insight, and I think it's so true. If people only knew the benefit of living life in accountability the way that Christ is called to do so in discipleship, I think they would make time for it. Mm. And it connects exactly to what you said. If they see the leaders doing that, they're going to hear these stories. Here's what we've told everyone. When you launch discipleship groups in your church, and you maybe you come to a discipleship blueprint, which is an event we do once a year. we got one coming up soon next month. Or you um, could take it home with yeah, you. Yeah, we got the digital version of that. Buyblueprint.com, you take the whole thing And home. what happens at that, we have a Q&A, and every time we can tell you the, the top 20 questions that are going to get asked. Always the same question. We can quote those questions to you. Almost number one right out the gate is you know, how do I start this? You know, what's the first step that I take? Mm. And what we tell every leader, regardless of where they're at, is go home and make sure you first are leading a discipleship group. Mm. I can't tell you how many times I went to a church, I trained a pastor, and one of my questions to him was, and he said, man, our people aren't engaging in small group, life group. We're talking about a biblical community. Yeah. And so my question, number one question, are you in a disciple, Are you in a life group? Are you in a Sunday school Let class? me give you a perfect example. I don't have time for it. Well, if you don't have time for it, why would your people? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and here's the thing: you gotta you gotta be you gotta be buying what you're selling in a sense. I mean, right. I'd say we're selling anything, but um, give you a example. Uh, Gus Hernandez, part of a Replicate team, is a steak grilling aficionado. Yeah, I mean, this true. guy is a master when it comes to grilling meat yes. and steak. Okay, I can attest. Gus Gus one day turned me on to this different kind of steak. Okay, he said, "You've been eating steak. I don't care how good the steak you've been eating, <laughs> right. but there's another level of." Steak steak that you need to try. Now, me from a distance, I thought steak is steak. I've had steak. What I've had steak. About? I've had right. some really good steak. Right. right? I, I mean, I've eaten. I, 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 someone took me out to Cane Prime when I first got right. here in town. I mean, that's really good steak. He said, no, no, no. This steak is in a whole nother class by itself. It's called A5 Japanese Wagyu. <laughs> Not to be specific. Not to be specific. And as you can tell, it had not made a lasting impression on me that I went and <laughs> Looked it up and researched it. But here's what he said. He said, this is a different kind of steak. These cows from Japan are are, are in a class of their own. The meat is marbleized. The, the, the fat is good fat for you because the whole right. thing is filled with fat and marbleization. He said, you don't eat a whole steak because it's so rich. You eat little slices of the steak. Yeah. And I'm like, slices? That's not going to fill. <laughs> you know, what is that going to do? He cooked this steak for me, Chris. I had all these ideas of what I thought this steak would taste like. Right. And then I ate it. Mm. Okay. If you've never eaten, now it's very expensive. I mean, I think this is like, you go to the restaurant, it's like $30 an ounce. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this kind of steak. You can't eat this all the time, right? Right. But I've eaten it once. Now he did warn me. Once you eat this steak. It's hard to look back. You are going to be ruined for every other piece of meat you'll the eat the rest of your life. just ain't going to do it anymore. Okay, now here's what happened. Not only did I take a bite of this steak and enjoy it, I went online and bought me a sliver of this steak and then invited you over. I remember that. Okay, I remember you well. see, well. see where I'm going. You see where I'm going. So I invited him over and he and Melissa at my house. I said, listen, and you looked at this little sliver or two and you said, what's this? I said, just wait, my friend, just wait. <laughs> And when you ate that steak, 
I remember it well. You I became a believer. I did become <laughs> a believer. Taste it. it. It is amazing. Amazing. It, it tasted like a piece of butter almost. It I, melted. I, I mean, this thing melted in your mouth. It the juices and the flavor. Okay, now here's the thing about this steak. That A5 Wagyu steak is discipleship. Okay. And here's what I mean. A lot of people think they know what this, because they look at it, they're like small groups, D groups, life group. That, that's so similar. They're just groups. No, 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 no. There's a different level. I mean, yes, it's steak and steak, but this is a yeah. different quality. This is a different context. You don't know what you're talking about until you engage in it. That's right. Okay. And here's what I, here's what I think most, a lot of pastors have this understanding of what they think discipleship is and they've never engaged in it. But once you taste it and yeah. see what discipleship is, you'll never go back to not do it. See, that's the thing about Tim, myself, you, uh, even Dylan, like I don't have to disciple guys as a pastor. Right. I like like the church didn't call me in when I came along hollow. OK, we want you to preach. We want you to cast vision and we want you to disciple personally a group of men for the rest of your ministry. Nope. No church says that. Right. I don't have to do that. Right. I can I could preach on Sunday, lead during the week, shepherd my staff, visit people in the hospital, pastor right. the church and be fine. But once you catch the discipleship bug and you see the benefit, not only for the group, mm -hmm. but for you, right. you will never not go yeah. a year or a month without discipling guys. Well, Tim doesn't have to disciple uh, yeah. guys. He wants, like Tim always says, yeah. you don't have to, you what? I want to. I want, I want to. to. I right. get to. And listen, <laughs> yeah. brother pastor, those who listen. If you're not investing in guys now, I would say it's because you've never experienced mm -hmm. the joy of being invested in. Uh, another part of the research I just make you aware of, they said one of the challenges for pastors making disciples is that they've never been discipled. And we knew this. Right. But what they said is, it takes a lot of humility for a pastor mm. to say, hey, would you invest in me? We knew that at Replicate. We knew right. that 45, 50% of people in the audience, maybe more, yeah, have yeah. never been discipled. Everywhere we go, we say, how many of you have never been discipled? About half the room. That's the reason we started this online mm -hmm. cohort. Mm -hmm. The cohort is a way for us yeah. to disciple, quote unquote, you and how to disciple your people right. from a distance. Yeah. So you don't have to travel here, you don't have to get a hotel, you don't have to pay mile. You literally pull your computer up, and we have, what, about 100 pastors already right. in this? And we, in a sense, disciple you sure. to help you to take the excuses out of the discipleship process. Yeah, and, and I think the the exactly what you're saying is true, and the problem is too many people see this discipleship pathway we've talked about, this discipleship model, specifically the discipleship group, three to five men, men, women with women for the purpose of exponential spiritual growth. And they say, that's just another program. How mm. am I going to plug in another hour program yeah. in my church? And, and that is just a misunderstanding. It's just exactly what you said. Until you've tasted and seen, you just don't understand. And uh, and it's not that you can't understand. I mean, I, I'm, I'm about as dumb as they come and I can understand it, right? <laughs> so right, right, right. I think the, <laughs> no, the goal is experience, true. you know, experience. Experience is the is the key, and I think, you know, just going back to that steak illustration. If you're not making disciples, if you have not picked up that group of three to five guys to invest in, three to five ladies to invest in for what we're talking about, you have to try that first before you write it off, before you try something different, before you go back to what may or may not be working. Um, I think you will see lack of commitment. I think you will see lack of commitment shift 
when people see what this actually does in their life. Mm -hmm. And I think people's time will begin to evolve to the sense or revolve around what's most important in their life because that's the way it is anyway. The reason they don't have time is because there's something else taking up that time that they perceive as more important. And what could be more important for a believer than exponential spiritual growth? And I will say this as we close, the difference between a program and a process, okay? Mm-hmm. Because people mm-hmm. think, oh, I just add this as a program. Right. The difference between a program and a process is a program has a start point and an end point, right. okay? Like Awana's, you start and you end. Yeah. Bible study, you start and you end. 12-week study, start and end. 40-day purpose, you know, whatever, start and end. Discipleship is not a class you take. Mm. I like to say this to think through it. It's the course of your life. Mm. D- there so, is no end to discipleship. Right. Who knew in 2004 when Tim and I met that the discipleship process would continue on now for what, 15, 16 years. It yeah. never ends, okay? Right. 14, 15 years. It never ends. So that's the difference, okay? And I want people to think differently. And we're not even saying the discipleship process is just an hour, hour and a half a week. Right. I tell people, discipleship is more than an hour to an hour and a half meeting a week, but right. it's never less than that. Mm, that's it's a good. big difference, okay? Meaning, you always do more. I have a text group. They were texting me today. Yeah. Uh, I have a, uh, we, we meet for get togethers. Like I said, Sunday in my message, I go to coffee with these guys. I hang out with these right. guys. They call me all the time, but we definitely meet for an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 30 mm-hmm. every week to check in accountability, encouragement, edification. That's good. We will talk more about some of this research, some other research in future podcasts, but let's not forget that we are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. network and a new member of the network, really uh, one of the greatest podcasts out there. That's a, that's pretty high praise. The but forefather, the forefather it. It of may, the network. He may be he the could've... forefather of the good Christian podcast. He could have been. Uh, and <laughs> I've listened to a number of his podcasts, and and they're always good. And it is Rainer on leadership. Tom Rainer, if you haven't heard of it, he has a great podcast. I think they're at like episode five hundred something. So he's wow. been doing this forever. Yeah. And uh, and so and he still has great topics. Still has got a good great... co-host, Mr. Jonathan Howe. Some like his co-host. I like him because he's a Tiger fan. He's an <laughs> he's, LSU he's also Tiger a LaCroix fan. fan. So I don't know how much we can. I don't okay, know how that, much we can. That, that's not. Yeah, that um, but it's a twice weekly podcast. You can actually get two podcasts a week from Rainer on leadership and just great leadership insights from him. Jonathan Howe provides some practical training and it's just important issues that church leaders and pastors. It is similar to a leadership podcast, but focused on church leaders specifically. So it's a great podcast. Check it out. Rainer on leadership wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.